Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1, find verse 39. The passage that we have before us today is, is one of beautiful worship. It is the kind of of worship that is fueled by intimate knowledge of God's personal involvement in one's life and then the enablement of the Holy Spirit to be able to articulate that and to let it pour forth. And we find that both Mary and Elizabeth, who we've been studying about recently as we've been going through this first chapter of Luke, both share in this this personal, uh, intimate knowledge of what God is doing and they are both receiving the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to let that pour forth from them. So we're looking for, I'm looking forward to sharing some of that with you here today and next week as well. If this is your first Sunday with us at the Mission Church, I just want to kind of bring you quickly up to speed that we're in the beginning weeks uh, moving through the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be in Luke for quite a while. But that's where we're at. And uh, what we have discovered about Luke is this, is that uh, Luke was chosen by God to provide a well-researched, documented account for a Gentile man whose name was Theophilus, and the focus of the account was on the things that God had been doing, the things that he had done to bring to fulfillment his plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. Some of the things that he discovered as he researched this included God's interjecting himself into the lives of a Jewish priest named Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth who were beyond childbearing years, and how God sent an angel... He sent Gabriel to Zacharias. He was serving there in the temple and told them how he was going to bless them with a son. And and Gabriel instructed them, instructed Zachariah, I should say, that his name would be John and that he would be the forerunner of the promised Messiah. So in giving that prophecy, he was announcing that the time for the Messiah had finally arrived. Six months later, we discovered that God interjected himself again by sending Gabriel to visit a young virgin girl in Nazareth, and her name is Mary. His message to Mary was extraordinary, to say the least. He informed her that she also would conceive a son, supernaturally, and that her son would, in fact, be the long-awaited Messiah. The passage we're about to read now is one that follows these occurrences And it reports what happened when these expectant mothers came into uh, connection with one another as Mary went to visit with Elizabeth. And what we find happening is an eruption of heartfelt worship. So today we're reading Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. And we find these words. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of of Judah, And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, 
For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud uh, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned to her home. So it was only just a a couple of days after Gabriel visited Mary that she set out to go and visit with her cousin, Elizabeth. I want to stop there just for a second. I'm not going to make a big deal out of this, but uh, what relationship was Elizabeth to Mary? Well, we don't know 100% for sure. Uh, the King James Version uh, translated uh, the, the Greek text, uh, the word there as cousin. And when we think of cousin, we think of like first cousin. Now, that may or may not have been the actual. I mean, there's a lot of age difference between Elizabeth and Mary. Uh, all, most other modern translations uh, will just translate it as relative. So whether or not she was a first cousin, a second cousin, a third, fourth, sixth, eighth, ninth cousin removed, I'm not quite sure. Uh, the bottom line is she was a relative, okay? So I'll use cousin, maybe a relative, just depending on what I put in my notes here, and uh, you follow along there with that. But that's, uh, she is a relative. She's of the family line. Now, the question that I want to start off with this morning is simply this. Why did Mary do what she did? Why, why after receiving this message within just a few days, why did she set off to go see Elizabeth. Well, the reason is because Gabriel told her what God had done for Elizabeth. What had God done for Elizabeth? He had opened her womb. He had opened her womb, which for decades had been infertile. And now Elizabeth is beyond childbearing years. And yet God worked a miracle, allowing Elizabeth to conceive the child of her husband. Hers was not a virginal uh, kind of conception. It was under normal circumstances, but unnormal in the sense that she was beyond those years and and God uh, made her womb fruitful again. And Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's conception was a sign that Gabriel gave to Mary to show her that she could trust what God had sent him to tell her because nothing is impossible with God. And he used Elizabeth to make that point. Nothing is impossible with God. Now the question is, again, why did, why did Mary need to believe that nothing is impossible with God? Because God was about to do an even greater work in Mary. That's why she needed to believe that. The Holy Spirit, as we talked about last week, is is, is going to engulf her. He may have already done that. And and she's going to conceive within her womb the Messiah. And she's going to do this in a truly miraculous way beyond all miracles in that she will maintain her virginity even though she is with child. Amazing. Nothing is impossible with God. And I want you to take note this morning that God doesn't just do this to Mary. He doesn't just wrestle her to the ground and say, you're going to do this. No. She was free to accept it. 
She was free to reject it. What we find her doing is, even though she doesn't fully understand it all, there's no way she could possibly understand all of that, she nonetheless believed the message and she submitted herself as a willing servant, verse 38. What happens next? I'm using the word extraordinary a lot today. It is extraordinary when you take into account the, the context, the context of the times. Mary drops everything that's going on in her life And she sets out to make an 80 to 100 mile trip to see her relative Elizabeth. Now, I think this is extraordinary for two reasons. Number one is because um, it's not like she decided, well, by golly, I'm going to go down and see Elizabeth and I'm going to jump into my SUV uh, you know, and uh, th- that is air conditioned and, uh, and, 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 and uh, quadraphonic sound and all the other bells and whistles that our cars have today. And I'm going to make a little day trip out of this and have a little fun. Maybe I'll stop by the mall and do a little shopping on the way home. I mean, it wasn't like that at all. I mean, this is 80 to 100 miles on foot or maybe on the back of a donkey, but that's about the best. And donkeys didn't have quadraphonic sound, believe me. And, and so this is a three to four day trip. This is hard work. You don't just decide to go do a three or four day trip just on a whim, not under those circumstances. And that begs the question, why would she go to all that trouble to go see a cousin that she barely knew? And I'm going to contend that she and Elizabeth didn't know each other very well because Elizabeth is old enough to be her mom, perhaps old enough to be her grandmother, and they live 80 to 100 miles apart. They're not getting together every time the wind blows. She's only maybe 14. So why would she go to all that work to go see someone she barely knows unless she truly believes what she's been told? And that leads me then to the first truth point of the day. The first truth point today is that Mary's trip to see Elizabeth demonstrates the faith that she placed in the message received from God through Gabriel. She placed faith. She had faith in what Gabriel told her. And the second thing I want to say here under this truth point is that true faith always leads to action. This is something that has nothing to do with, well, no, it does have something to do with worship. It absolutely does. So I want you to get this point because it's so important. Faith church, okay? Faith is not stagnant. Faith, true biblical faith, is not just cerebral. It's not just something that you know. Where faith resides, life actions follow. I'm reminded of something that James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote many years later. It's recorded in his epistle, chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Listen to what James says. He says, what good is it, my brothers? And he's including the sister in on that as well. If someone says that he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is is, is poor, and here's the example. If If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, Without giving him the things needed for the body. What good is that? And verse 17 is the key. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Meaning it's not real. Faith leads to action. Action doesn't lead to faith, but faith does lead to action. 
He goes on to say in verse 18, but some will say, well, you have faith, but I have works. And James says, show me your faith apart from your works. Kind of hard to do. And I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, Mary's faith was demonstrated not just by her words of surrender, but by her feet of action. Her feet of action to set out on this arduous journey to go and see Elizabeth, who has experienced this unique miracle, is evidence of the faith that is in her heart. She wants to go. She wants to rejoice in God's good favor on her. And she wants to share with Elizabeth her own story now of miraculous movement of God. And so Mary's faith is an important thing for us to take note of. Luke goes on to tell us that when Mary arrived at the house... She greeted Elizabeth, and what happened next, again, is, what word am I using today? Extraordinary. Say it all together. Ready? Extraordinary. Yes, it's all very extraordinary. After the customary lengthy greetings that were part of the culture, Elizabeth informs Mary that when her words fell on her ears, John, now imagine this, John, who is in the womb, who is only six months from the conception, reacted with a pronounced leap. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.